Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad to be here with you today and to be able to bring the message today. Um, Everybody, I know that she asked about people staying up till midnight. How many actually stayed up to? Not Eastern time. That doesn't count. Midnight? Yeah. Yeah, it's it a late night. Had tried to get kids to bed afterwards, and it's like, okay, almost 1 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, I got to get up early in the morning. I got some important stuff to do. So, yeah, um, we had a great time and had our new granddaughter around all week, so that's always a lot of fun uh, to be able to see them and to play with little baby Clara. It's a lot of, a lot of holding time and uh, just... Uh, trying to make her laugh. She's only six months old. I thought, got my work cut out for me. Well, um, you know, I'm excited about Christmas time every year. When Christmas time starts coming, you know, usually James or Haley will start humming some Christmas tunes way early, and I think that's mom's influence. Um, But Christmas time as it gets coming and um, starts to uh, get into the season, I get excited because I get to go to a lot of basketball games. And um, I get to take each of my children out for date days and have youth group parties and just, uh, just gets me all uh, ready to have fun uh, for the season. But as soon as it's over, I'm ready for spring. Anybody else? I am so ready for warmth and to uh, bring on, uh, you know, a little more sunshine and, and uh, better weather. So in uh, honor of uh, thinking about that and that springtime-ness, we're going to uh, give a sermon about Easter today and the surprises that come with Easter. But I really love the Easter story as well. It's just one that um, all that we've been talking about the last few weeks and getting ready for Christmas points us right to the cross and gets us ready to hear that story as well. So I did call it a uh, day full of surprises. And uh, so in talking about surprises a little bit, there's a story of, um, and I've heard this, and some of you probably heard it too, and we probably heard different versions of it. And I'm positive it's true somewhere out there. Um, But this lady, she um, was a single mother living in a duplex. And you know how thick the walls are in duplexes. You can hear everything through the walls. Anybody ever lived in an apartment or duplex where you can hear everything? Sometimes you don't want to hear everything. And it just... Anyway, there, she's living there, she has two kids, and she's trying to make ends meet, and it's not going so well. She's um, praying out to God every single night, and just, God, please bring me groceries, because I can't make it this month. There's not enough money. Please bring me groceries, God. I don't know how I'm going to do it, God, and on and on and on, and her neighbor 
was listening to her every single night, praying about these groceries, and he didn't even believe in God. So he goes, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this lady groceries and prove to her that there is no God. So he goes on out and he buys several bags full of groceries, a couple gallons of milk, and uh, he knows, knows her timing because he lives right next door and hears her all the time. So while she's out getting her kids from school, he comes and he brings the groceries, put them on her porch, and then hides in the bushes. Real brave guy. And um, so he's there, and uh, as he hides in the bushes, she drives up and lets her kids out. And then she sees all the groceries, and she's so excited and just starts praising God. And then kids, come here and look, see what God has done, and brings them over. And they're going through the bags, and they're so excited about God bringing the groceries. And he pops out of the bushes, says, ha! wasn't God that brought you groceries. It was me. I took my own time, my own money, and went out and bought all these groceries for you. And she stops and thinks it for a moment and says, hmm, God brought me groceries. God brought me groceries and made the devil pay for them. <laughs> what a surprise, right? I mean... It's so exciting to have things like that happen. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever received something like that, uh, but it's, it's happened before, and I know that other people have received gifts like that just on their doorstep, a gallon of milk or something. And I know that God even sent me one place, um, and I just felt this overwhelming urge to leave a gallon of milk on somebody's um, porch, just like God's saying, do it. And as I'm doing it, this very astute person comes out and says, I should be buying you milk. And I'm like, okay. Well, so sometimes our impressions aren't always right, but I got a surprise there as well. And she gladly took the milk. And um, I've been able to do other things like that and help other people. And it's always encouraging, but it's always a surprise when we get something like that. When I was a kid... We had another surprise happen uh, as a young boy, and um, what you got to understand is uh, my family, there is um, four boys and one girl right away. I mean, we're all within like two years of each other or less, so my mom got busy quick, and um, a whole bunch of us all, all together, and um, we were an inquisitive group. And we lived in this little place called Bell Fountain, Oregon. Anybody know where Bell Fountain is? Oh, there's a couple. All right, good. Um, Bell Fountain, Oregon, small town. There's like 300 uh, people, as long as nobody was leaving town. Um, and we, we were there uh, in the center of town. There was our house, the grocery store, kind of a grocery store. It was a little store. The church and the school. We were like a square. So we were like right there, middle of town, and uh, everybody knew the Dixons. <clears throat> Mostly a good thing. Um, so whenever they saw us coming, they, they were all watch out. So one day my cat drags home a squirrel. And um, 
Dixon boys that we were, were out there investigating this little squirrel and taking turns getting a stick to see if it was alive. And, and the cat kind of got annoyed with us, but we shooed her away. We didn't want her to spoil our fun. And um, so we're there and making sure that it's dead. And my oldest, uh, not my oldest, my second oldest brother, Dwayne, um, got brave enough once we decided it was dead that he wanted to fill the fur on this squirrel. And uh, so he reaches down and uh, pets the squirrel, and the squirrel jumps back alive and grabs a hold of his finger. <laughs> and we're all just like jump back when the squirrel jumps up. And uh, he's running around with a squirrel on his finger and trying to yell for help. And um, at this point, I think some of us started laughing, but he still needed help. And, and mom and dad came and had to pry the teeth of this squirrel off. And then as soon as they did, the squirrel zoom, ran away. That's a smart squirrel. But I'm not uh, exaggerating when I say that we were very surprised when this squirrel came back to life. That's kind of a, a bad surprise, but when something dead pops back to life, you know, you think, wow, uh, you may get a little bit startled. But there are also good surprises as well when somebody pops back to life, isn't there? So if we think about the good surprises in our lives, some of the best surprises in my life, um, my wedding day, the birth of my children, the adoption days of my other children. I mean, those are all incredible, great surprises. They were expected events, but surprises no less. And there are other good surprises. When we receive unexpected gifts, um, that's a good surprise. When we receive flowers from a friend or from a spouse, that's a good surprise. There's many good surprises. They're both good and bad surprises for, for each one of us. And the day that Jesus rose from the dead was a day filled with good and bad surprises. There were surprises at the tomb that scared the woman and the apostles to death. And there were also good surprises that probably drove them to shed tears of joy. So let's look at a minute at this very surprising day. First, I want to think about the women who went to the tomb that first Easter morning. They had gotten up before sunrise to go and to do their duty of preparing Jesus' body properly. They had been unable to do this on Friday evening because of the coming Sabbath. But now they had returned to perform this last act of love for Jesus. Well, their first surprise that morning was to find that the rock had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. They may have even been filled with joy a little bit about the fact, since they didn't, were trying to figure out a way that that was going to get moved, but that heavy stone was rolled away from the entrance. So their joy, maybe from that, turned quickly into panic when they looked and found Jesus' body was missing. 
Mary Magdalene was so surprised by this event that she immediately drops everything that she was carrying and runs back to the disciples. And as she bursts into the room, barely after sunrise, she screams out, and this is out of John chapter 20, verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Can you imagine somebody bursting in the room? You're probably still sleeping. And you hear these words after the very emotional three days that they've had. And she pops in and says this. So Peter and John, they immediately jumped up and sprinted for the tomb. John, being a little bit younger than Peter, quickly takes the lead in this uh, strange early morning race to the graveyard. But as John came within view of the tomb, he came to a skidding halt. As he looked with stunned eyes at what he thought was a desecrated tomb. And tears began to fill his eyes as he thought of this last insult to the Lord. Peter finally came huffing and puffing past John and immediately ran into the tomb. And just moments later, John squeezes in next to him. And together, they're surprised to see an even stranger sight. As they look into the place where Jesus had been laid, they see the burial cloth laying there as if Jesus' body had somehow evaporated out of it. Which we get to know the end of the story and we know that it did. They could still see the outline of the body in the cloth. For many long moments, they stood there in shock. As they slowly walk back to the other disciples, they discuss these surprising events. They knew that something strange had happened, and John thought that something wonderful must have happened. But the scriptures tell us that they still had no idea that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. Even though they had lots of clues and lots of discussions with Jesus, they still, that wasn't on their mind. Mary Magdalene stayed behind at the tomb because she still believed that something awful had happened. And she was determined to discover just what had happened to Jesus' body. As she slowly walked back through the graveyard, looking for clues, she met someone. She thought he was the caretaker of the graveyard. And with eyes filled with tears, she began to plead with the caretaker. Please tell me where they had taken Jesus' body. She'd even carry it back herself if they'd just let her know where Jesus was. It was at this point Mary received the shock of her life. As Jesus simply said her name, instantly, Mary, at the sound of his voice, recognized Jesus. So what happened next? We're not really sure. Did she fall on her knees? Did she burst out into laughter or tears? We don't know. Can you imagine what you would do in that circumstance? But I think it's safe to say that she was surprised. 
Once again, Mary runs back to the upper room to see the disciples. But this time, she's not running out of fear or sadness. This time, the distance flies by because her heart is filled with joy. This time, when she finds the disciples, she cries out with joy. I have seen the Lord. He is alive. We talked face to face. That should bring so much joy, shouldn't it? I know that when I have my time with Jesus, when I get to take time in my busy days, scrambling around with the kids and chores and other things here at the church, when I take my time face to face with Jesus, that brings so much joy and fills my heart so much. So a little later in the day, <clears throat> Jesus surprises another pair of individuals. Who these two are, we don't know for sure. But we do know that they knew the Lord personally, and they personally knew His disciples, and all of the events that had taken place in Jerusalem. They also knew of the strange events at the tomb that morning. And now they're going home with heavy hearts because the one that they thought would become king of the Jews was dead. But during their walk back to Emmaus, they met a stranger, a stranger on the road. And this is very fortunate for them because the stranger seemed to have a good understanding of the Scripture. And he's able to ease their burden of sorrow by showing them that all this was supposed to happen according to God's word. So was Jesus just toying with them or just filling them in or taking an easy walk for them to get the surprise that they needed to know who he was? They're so encouraged by the words of the stranger that they invite him home to share a meal with them. And it's during this meal that these two men receive the surprise of their lives for as Jesus breaks bread, the bread for the meal, their eyes are open and they realize that they've been walking and talking with the risen Lord. And then poof, he vanishes. I'm not sure which one would surprise them more, that they're with Jesus or then all of a sudden he's gone. And the scripture here talking about as Jesus breaks bread and their eyes are opened, wouldn't that be a beautiful communion message? I know Dean has communion this morning, and sorry, Dean, if I'm taking away anything from you, but as we take communion, as we take that time each and every week, and you put the bread in, and you just imagine... Jesus being there and breaking the bread and your eyes are open to who he really is and to what he really has done for each and every one of us and just how he's connected our lives together through him and through what he has done by forgiving our sins and by his grace and his mercy. I know I don't deserve what he has done for me. But I'm so glad that he did. So these two men, amazed by these events, 
immediately get back on the road to Jerusalem so that they can spread the good news of, the, of his resurrection to all the people there. Spreading the good news of Jesus Christ began immediately after his resurrection. Jesus has one more little surprise in store for his disciples during this day. And to see this surprise, we have to turn our eyes back to Jerusalem and look on the ten disciples. The scripture says that these disciples were gathered behind locked doors because they're afraid they'd be arrested and killed just as Jesus had been arrested and killed. So there they are, locked up. They, they didn't want anybody else in the room. They're gathered together. They're discussing these events, what went on. They already heard from Mary and that she'd seen Jesus. So now how the excitement is building in them and maybe a little doubt here and there too, but they're together. And they are so excited about the possibilities of the future. And they're in a locked room. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Our English language doesn't really do this verse much justice. We could have taken this verse that Jesus kind of meandered into the room and said, Hi, guys. Or maybe, um, you know, hey, what's going on? But the scripture says that these uh, disciples were gathered in their little room, and then suddenly Jesus appeared right in the middle of them. And as soon as it happened, he cried out, Peace be with you. I'm sure, trying to calm them, because all of a sudden, you're in a locked room. Nobody else is getting in, right, without you knowing it, because they'd have to burst through. He didn't come in through the thatched roof, or he didn't have a secret door to come in. Jesus was there. Right in the middle of them. And if that doesn't shock you, if that doesn't like bring your attention, like, whoa, how would you have reacted if you'd been in that room, would you have said nonchalantly, hey, look, guys, it's Jesus? I know I would have, uh, how I would have reacted. So I would have been startled. I would have been like backwards, you know. Have you ever had something happen like that where you got scared and it's like you kind of go backwards a little bit? That would have been me because I would have been in shock. If that happens to us, when we get surprised, just think what would happen if someone we knew had died and then suddenly appeared in our midst. You know, as I look back at this day, when Jesus was resurrected, this day when Jesus arose from the dead, I can't help but wonder how much humor Jesus found in these sudden appearances. My mind maybe shifts a little bit different than some of yours. Maybe that's why I've been in youth ministry for 35 years. But I just kind of imagine him not like doing this intentionally to 
have some fun with it as well. I mean, yes, he had a purpose for all of it, but Jesus had a sense of humor. I'm sure of it. God, we know, has a sense of humor, right? So Jesus would take in his father's footsteps, find himself, you know, on the road to Emmaus. I can't imagine the laughter that would have come from Jesus as he scared the daylights, maybe out of the disciples or in the upper room or on the road to Emmaus and just having a smile of Mary not knowing who he was and then revealing it to her. I think Jesus took great joy in revealing himself to his disciples and to others that first Sunday. I find it interesting that the early Christian forefathers used to talk about the Easter laugh. Steve, you read that? Good, good. Got to get this right. As early as 200 AD, we have Christian writings telling us that the day of Easter is to be a day of joy and laughter. Because it wasn't the end for us. It wasn't like this is the terrible thing that's happened. We get to be excited because we know, especially as we get the whole Bible at one time now, we get to be excited about what Jesus has done for us. Yes, super sad and super unfair and all the accusations, all the things that had happened. But as an end result, the joy for us should be overwhelming because we know we don't have to pay those penalties for the sins that each one of us have, that we get to go to the Father and ask for forgiveness and have Jesus Christ living in our hearts and the joy that it, you know, comes up from all of that is so exciting, so exciting for each and every one of us. One of the early church writers said, leave sadness to the devil. The devil has reason to be sad. Another said, God is not a God of sadness, but the devil is. Christ is the God of joy. It is pleasing to the dear God when it, uh, whenever you rejoice or laugh from the bottom of your heart. So when we have fun, when we are in enjoyment and we get that belly laugh, uh, it's been a while, but when we get that, um, it just makes God's heart so glad. And some of the very earliest Christian writings were told that the early Christian leaders celebrated Easter as a day when Jesus pulled the ultimate prank on the devil. For the devil thought he had won. He thought he was down for the count. Anybody ever heard the uh, song by Carmen, The Champion? Awesome song. And how it's, you know, the countdown isn't from going up, it's going down, you know, because we know that he's coming back. But Jesus, through his resurrection, made a fool of the devil. And do you know that he continues to make a fool of the devil today? Because the devil thinks and wants every single one of us not to be here in this church, not to hear God's word. Not to be excited about Easter and about what happened on the cross. He wants to tear us down. He wants us to stay stuck on our phones, scrolling the endless scrolls. You ever get caught in one of those? Oh, down another rabbit hole. 
we put that down and get excited about what Christ has done. In many countries, the church has continued this tradition of, of jokes and of pranks. Many churches in Europe and in Asia don't stop their Easter celebration on Sunday, but they continue it through Monday, which they declare to be the day of joy and laughter. Some of the churches even have adopted the week after Easter as Prank Sunday in honor of the laughter of Easter. So as long as Daniel's preaching and not me on Easter this year, let's remember that. <laughs> if we could get somebody maybe to hack his computer, like his tablet or something, change a few words in it, maybe not take the whole thing away, because that's one of my biggest fears is like to get up here to preach Sunday morning and my notes are gone. That's, that's it. I, although I do keep a second set, I'm not telling anybody where. <laughs> People would do a lot of crazy things then, as well as hiding the pastor's notes or maybe taking the music from the worship leader that week. No? Cheryl says no? No. Okay. <clears throat> but this time, you know, as a day for picnics and uh, celebrations and jokes, it's a day for uh, maybe pulling some good practical jokes or to drench each other with water to sing and dance. I guess it's a good thing. It'll be spring and warm, right? Did you know that Jesus loved a good celebration? We get several um, calls for that in, in Scripture. And I mean, he, his first miracle is performed at a wedding feast. And there is celebrating going on there, right? And Jesus makes reference to parties when he's telling the parable of the prodigal son. And he's going off and says uh, in Luke 15, 23 and 24, it says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. How awesome is it just to be able to have these celebration times? And, and Jesus knew it. He knew what it was to have a big party and to be at these celebrations and how important it is for us, each one of us, to celebrate Jesus also talks about a great banquet table where we all sit down for a feast with Jesus after the resurrection. I don't think that Jesus wants us to go around with sad expressions on our face. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, us and Eeyore would have a lot in common, right? You know, I lost my tail. Um, it's great to be happy about being a Christian, not a sad, you know, I don't get to do anything anymore. I got to stop all my bad habits. And now there's nothing to live for except for Jesus. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird to say it like that. But when we look at our lives and think, I, I've been a Christian almost all my life. Um, my mom and dad used to take me to church in Bell Fountain. I'd go up to the little Bell Fountain Community Church uh, with a minister, his name was Bruce Shalver. He was a young man. Now he's a very old man. I don't know what happened. Um, 
wonderful preacher, put up with the little Dixon kids as they came up the hill to the church, the fear in his eyes sometimes. One day he told us um, later, just a, probably about 15 years ago, he said, I don't know how you Dixon boys lived. And we're like, what? What, what does that mean? And he said, well, do you remember that you guys used to put rocks across the road and then wait for the semis to come down to see how far your rocks could get skipped and thrown? He goes, I was sure one of those rocks was going to hit you and kill you. And we broke a couple windows on houses and things close by because they would fly a long ways. So maybe he's correct. Maybe, maybe God had a plan. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> but just the celebrations and the, the times that we have to uh, love on God and to be able to um, be together with expressions of joy on our faces, to be able to just share that with other people and not walk around like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but put that expression there and to live for Jesus and to let others know. I mean, how many people want to come to Christ when you're walking around with us? sad gloom look on your face, but to be excited and to um, want others to know, it's just incredible. It's the day we celebrate Jesus' return from the grave. We have great reasons to celebrate. As we look back at Jesus' resurrection, we can look forward to the day when we receive the biggest surprise of our lives. For John says in 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will uh, be not has yet been made known, but we know what, um, that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. See Him as He is to love Jesus Christ and to be there. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20, he says, But Christ has indeed been risen from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, what we see in Jesus and His resurrection, we will experience ourselves. So we get to experience it. We get to be there. We get to see Him face to face. And the excitement that should grow in each and every one of us. And the surprises in our lives as we get to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is awesome. There's a story about a Sunday school teacher asked his class of young children, said, what were the first words Jesus said after his resurrection? None of the kids answered. Don't ruin it for me, Steve. <laughs> and he asked again, what are the first words of Jesus after the resurrection? Nobody answered. And third time he said, come on, what are the words that Jesus said after the resurrection? One little girl raises her hand and she stands up and he says, okay, tell us. And she goes, ta-da. Well, I don't think that those were the first words. I think it would have been great if they were. 
But one thing I do know for sure, Jesus loves surprises. And he still loves surprises today. That's why he hasn't told us what the next life is going to be like. He wants to surprise us with it. All we know is that it's going to be so wonderful that right now we can't even imagine how good it's going to be. I've had kids and youth ask me for years and years, what is, what's it going to be like? What's hell going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? And so I go to, okay, well, think of your worst nightmare. Just the worst. Times that times millions and that's what you know, um, hell's going to be like. And I said, and then just the opposite. Think of your best dream or your best thought of what heaven could be like. And times at times millions, and then you're not even close to what heaven's going to be like. Because we can't even fathom it. We, we have no idea. We put everything in a human thinking and we know God is not human. He came in human form so he could experience life like us and that we could relate to Jesus. But God says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So God, we know, has a whole other realm of what heaven is going to be like. And I'm not even going to attempt to try to, you know, make it look prettier than I know what God's got it to be. It's going to be awesome. So you'll say, wow, when I get to heaven, I'm going to dig up all that gold. It's pavement in heaven. Why would you want to dig it up? It's not going to be worth anything to us because all we have and all of our worth will be in our Lord. Jesus loves surprises. And Jesus has surprised me so many times he surprised me when I accepted Jesus and he entered my heart. He surprised me when he called me into ministry, which I had no idea was coming. He surprised me when he let me come to this church as one of the ministers. And I have no doubt that Jesus has bigger and better surprises in store for me in the future. Jesus loves surprises. Jesus wants to share his joy with us and, for have, and to have us be joyful. Have you experienced his joy? Have you been surprised by the joy of the Lord? I hope you have. I hope that each one of you have experienced his joy so many times. And we have times when we like are down and we're not excited, and we're not feeling the joy of the Lord in our lives. But if we just turn over that to Jesus Christ and let Him work on our hearts, life can change. And in this new year, we get opportunity, right? All of us like have our little lists out. Okay, here's what my... Uh, lose 10 pounds. Okay, I'll be realistic. Um, you know, I mean, we, we start making our resolutions and we, we start putting down there, but where's the, you know, spend more time with God, read my Bible more, you know, uh, relate, have, get to know other people in my church, to have joyful times and to, to set our goals. 
um, to what God would want them to be. All the other resolutions, they're good. Because some of those things we need to stop doing. But God has his goals in mind for our lives too. The worship team is going to come up. And um, we're going to get ready to, to praise God. So if you guys want to come on up, um, you know, maybe, maybe you haven't been a Christian for a long time. But that joy has began to fade. Open up your heart to Jesus and allow him back in. And you'll once again be amazed at the joy that the Lord will pour into your heart. It's a new year. It gives us a great chance for new starts, right? As the early Christians once said, sadness belongs to the devil, but joy belongs to the Lord. This morning, let God fill your heart with the joy of his presence. Let God lift you up, encourage you, and love on you. And if you haven't experienced that joy, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then let me offer that invitation to you. Come to know Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior and turn over all that other stuff to God and He'll take care of you, love on you, and care for you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning trusting you. Lord, we know that you are the God of surprises. You're the God of so many joys that we can't even count. Because you have uh, done so much in our lives. We're thankful, Lord, for that. Thankful for the way that you've taken care of us. Even when things are looking gloom, even when things are looking down, Father, we know that you are there. Move in our hearts this morning, Father. Help us, encourage us. Let us know at all times that you're by our sides. Father, we turn our lives over to you and look forward to this year and how we can be used by you. Stretch us, Father, this year. Help us have that joy in our hearts at all times. Not something fake or plastic, Father, but something that's real, something that connects us to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, forgiving our sins, Lord, and loving us. You're awesome. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.